Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. We are kicking off a new series. We're going to spend the next eight weeks together looking at this concept of being unstuck. Because we can easily find ourselves stuck in life. We just kind of go along, cruise along, everything seems to be going, and pretty soon we find that life is stuck. Whether we're stuck in a routine, we're stuck in a habit, we're stuck at a dead end in life, we're stuck in so many different places. And our life in Christ should be so dynamic that we just flat don't get stuck. But what happens when we do? Well, we need to get unstuck. So we're going to look at that concept together in the... Uh, if you have your version app open or you have the bulletin that we handed you on the way in, I want you to go ahead and let's look at this concept together that knowing that God loves us helps us to go to Him when we're stuck. You have to know that God's for you. Especially as Christ followers, we have to get this because so many times we, where we get stuck is we get self-stuck. We do this to ourselves. And whenever we get self-stuck, man, we hit a place where so many times we feel like I've kind of done this to myself. I kind of owe this to my, I mean, I've done this to myself. My spot is kind of, uh, it's kind of self-brought on. And I just need to kind of take my lumps and move forward with that. Now, for those of y'all who, who may be your first time here, uh, Cutie and I have seven children. We got a, we got a lot of kids, so... And uh, our oldest is Keenan, and he was on the announcements just a, a minute ago. And so he was our first child. Um, not that we're parenting experts uh, by, by any means now, but um, when we had our first one, we really were clueless. I mean, we had no idea what was going on. I mean, we had to talk about, you know, do you bathe them in cold water or not? You know, I mean, you know, the, the answer is no. And so I screamed. And so... Um, but uh, you don't want to burn them, and, and so, anyways. But it's funny as you're learning and you're interacting. Well, Keenan uh, was a, a chunky baby. Okay, he was fat. Kid was, he was a big kid. He had no neck. He'd just sit there. If he fell over, he was like a turtle. You had to go help him up. And so it was just, it was just really sad. He's, uh, he's lean and mean now, but he didn't start off that way. And um, anyways, but very quickly, in all of his speaking and communicating, one of his earliest sentences, and, and this is founded in, our, in Cutie and I's little vocabulary because it was so funny, but we would hear Keenan get into a place that he couldn't get himself out of, or he would squeeze himself into a place that the rest of him wouldn't go, and, and, and then he would get stuck. And in his little broken learning to speak thing, he would call out and he would say, Dad, I stuh. I stuh. He couldn't even finish the word. He didn't even know how to say it. But he would call out, I stuh, I stuh. And then it was, we would go out and figure out where he was and, and, and get him unstuh. And get him back on a, get him back on a, a path again. And so he knew that when he found himself stuck to call out to mom or dad, to call out to the parent and be able to, to get unstuck. 
Now, that should be our natural response, but for some reason, we don't always like to do that when we find ourselves stuck. Sometimes we want to, to get things dealt with ourselves, like, man, let me figure if I can get this out. This is going to be embarrassing. This, I don't want anybody to know, and we tend to try to get, get ourselves unstuck all by ourselves. Now, years ago, I was uh, talking to somebody after service last week about... Uh, um, who's into to four-wheel drives and rock crawlers. And anyways, I f- finally bought a four-wheel drive pickup years ago. I don't have it anymore. And, um, but a good old 95 Dodge four-wheel drive truck. I'd never had a four-wheel drive, and so it was exciting. And uh, we'd had our um, small group. Cutie and I were leading the college group um, back then. And so uh, our small group had ended, and we were building a, building a house out in the bluffs. So we'd left our house, and I needed to go check on something and handle some stuff over on the slab. And a buddy of mine went with me, and then one of our college guys got in the truck. So we're coming down the loop and turn off there on Melrose and decide that there's this big open field. That big church and school wasn't there. There's just a big open field, and I'm just going to take a shortcut because I've got a four-wheel drive. So I'm going to go through. Well, it had not been mowed or brush hogged in a long time and the big weeds were up higher than the than the hood of the truck so i'm like this is a big field i'm gonna be fine so stick it into four-wheel drive and jump the curb and go and we're just woo. Now i'm a pastor i'm a minister we got somebody a, a college person i'm supposed to be mentoring and, and we're just off-roading in town and so we're just going along going along and um Anyways, uh, so sure enough, thankfully, the, the uh, guy who was riding with me yells, ditch! And I just instinctively hit my brakes. I didn't see a ditch. He saw through the little weeds that there was a ditch, and I slammed my brakes, and we slid off the little edge of the Red Arroyo and stuck on the other side of my big old ranch hand front-end replacement grill guard. And I was stuck on this side, high-centered. Front wheel spinning, back wheel spinning, it's going nowhere, and it's dark. And so then we have the problem that then I'm, I'm so we try to figure out everything under the sun to get unstuck. The last thing in the world I wanted to do was call somebody to come and get me unstuck. Now, on top of it, I'd only had this vehicle a couple of days. It was a used truck, and I only had it a couple of days. So it wasn't in my name yet. And people that knew me didn't know it was mine. So somebody the next day calls the cops and turns in an abandoned vehicle. That this Because I, I just was like, I'm going to deal with this in the light of day. Well, by the time I get around to the light of day, the cops had been called. The previous owner had been called by the cops. He's like, oh, no, we sold it to some minister. And so, and, uh, and so, I mean, it was this big fiasco, and then have to call people, and, and I, I sh- should have got something going immediately instead of waiting on. But so many times we get ourselves stuck, and we just, we just don't want to respond there. We want to try to take some time and get ourselves dealt with and see if I, can, if I can get this dealt with by myself. But Hebrews chapter 4 paints us a different picture. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 says, For we do not have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted in every way just as we are and yet did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace 
with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. To help us in our time of need. When we're stuck. When we've got ourselves all buried up and there isn't anything we can do. When it was a foolish decision that we made that created the problem, we can go to God. Why? Because He understands and empathizes with our weaknesses. He was tempted in all like ways, yet navigated those temptations without sin. So He knows the route out. Anything you and I deal with on a temptation level, he knows the route out. So, so many times, especially in my years of youth ministry, I'd see a, a young person going through things. And I'd want to talk to them and try to help them through it and all those different things. And I would hear this over and over and over again. Pastor Brandon, you just wouldn't understand. You just wouldn't understand. And maybe they were right. Maybe I wouldn't. Maybe I hadn't been through that before. Maybe I hadn't dealt with those different things before. But you know who does understand? You know who does empathize with our weakness? Our Heavenly Father. Our High Priest Jesus Christ understands. And so many times I think we hold ourselves back from God because in the back of our minds we're like, man, just God, God saw. He knows what I did. He knows how I got off course. And I, I just feel like I can't go whining to Him now. I didn't include him in the beginning, so why in the world should I include him now? I, it, just, it just doesn't seem right. It just doesn't seem fair. Of course not. That's grace. That is grace. This whole hiding thing has been going on forever. Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. We know it's not in your bulletins or on the notes. But, but Adam and Eve sin against God, and, they, and they, <clears throat> they move on. And immediately, as soon as it happens, they hide. They hide. They immediately hide. Instead of saying, oh, Lord, help us. We've been so foolish. They immediately put as much distance between them and God as they possibly can. They get among the trees and think, well, maybe he won't notice. We should be turning to God. Anytime you're stuck, anytime, as soon as the light comes on that you're stuck, some of us are a little faster at picking up on the fact that we're stuck than others. But as soon as the light comes on, that we're stuck, our reaction needs to be to go to God. To go to God, we have to condition ourselves and remind ourselves because the enemy is going to come in and say, nope, nope. You're going to get rebuked. You're gonna, you're gonna, <clears throat> there's going to be the condemnation, all those different things. See, mercy is not getting what you've earned. Some would say deserve. And grace is getting what Jesus has earned. Or what, or what you didn't deserve. See, we, not only are we going to find mercy, but we'll also find this place of grace. Mercy is found in this place where there's this judgment that maybe rightly should be coming down. And mercy is given and, it's, and, the, and the judgment doesn't come down. But grace says, not only that, I'm going to invite you in into a deeper level. Grace is God's empowering work in our lives to begin to, to chart a different path. And it's not based on that we've earned it and we've built up these little merit points. And so now God's going to dump a little favor in our life. 
It's that he loves us and he wants to intervene in our lives. Not only in our time of need will we find mercy. And my goodness, we need the mercy. But we will also find grace. We will find that he's actively at work on our behalf, just working alongside us. And he's there working and, and, and bringing the life change about. Romans 6, 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We enter into our relationship with God understanding this. Why do we not live our life with God understanding this? Why do we not say that the, his gift is available every day? That he's at work in us every day? I want us to know that it is the gift of God is eternal life. And if we don't have our right, the mindset right, then what we see is this eternal life as this when I die kind of life. And then we, it becomes eventual life. The God in Christ, the free gift of God, is eventual life. Eventually, everything's going to be okay. Eventually, it's all going to pan out. But no, it's called eternal life. Eternal life is life without pause. That's why for us as Christ followers, death is a graduation. We begin an eternal life, and it just gets better as we step fully into his presence. But eternal life is now. The eternal life that God wants to work and do in our lives is now. Let's look at Matthew chapter 9. It says, For when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Where does your teacher why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. He recognizes that there's places where we're not walking in the law of love the way we should be. And just about every ditch we get ourselves in comes back to not walking in love on some place. Every, every, every one. That Jesus says, I've, I've come to be in the mix of it. I've come to deal with sinners. I've come to deal with the sick. I've come to deal with people in a place of need. So why on earth would we think that God would want to shy away from our need? We need to, whenever we find ourselves stuck, we need to know we can go to him immediately. See, if we don't recognize that he's here to help, then we will reject what is freely given. We will miss out on what he's already freely made available to us. I got to have coffee this week with, a, with an old, old friend of mine who was a, a missionary in Guatemala for a number of years. And he's back here in Angelo and he's helping the missions in, in a different kind of way. And, and um, so as we're visiting, um, I was reminded of Cutie and I went to Guatemala years ago, back in 1998. And we were able to be a part of a team that went and we went and served at a feeding station there. Well, if anybody remembers their Guatemalan history, which I know you all do, um, then there was a horrible civil war, a 30-year civil war in Guatemala that did not end until 1996. So there was finally a peace thing that takes place in 96. And um, anyways, we show up with our team in 98. So the civil war had not been over very long. Well, in a civil war, obviously, everybody's kind of forced to take a side. 
every, every young man that was big enough to hold the gun and hold the weapon was pulled into one side of the deal. And these, these hills and villages were, were um, a, men were just decimated. It was just decimated over a 30-year period of time. Well, there was a lady that uh, we called Mama Liz, uh, Liz Nolan, uh, who ran a feeding station up in the mountains of uh, Guatemala in Chinique and dealt with a whole lot of the, of the native Guatemalans that, that had been there and were the, the tribal people there in Guatemala. And when she first went there, she first went there during the Civil War because the dads and people were not able to work and to eat. It was an agrarian society, and so there was a lot of kids who were just starving. So a great place of, of ministry was to go in and create a feeding station where kids could come and eat three times a week and then be able to do some teachings and, and to, to minister to them in that. And she goes into the feeding station and, and looks up and, there's, and it doesn't take long and there's 150 kids three times a week showing up at this feeding station getting some little handmade tortillas. And, and man, I tell you what, it is old school like on a wood fire tortillas made with the corn masa, and it was a really cool experience. And she'd make some soup of some stuff she had found and feed all of these kids. Well, these kids were neat because their families could not feed them. They literally couldn't feed them. So all these kids are coming in to get, to get a meal. Well, then she decided these kids needed some meat on their bones. They were too skinny. She didn't. Mama Liz didn't like these kids being so skinny. So she decided on Fridays she was going to put meat in the stew. So it wasn't giving everybody a steak. It's not giving everybody this, you know, this, this meat entree. It was just meat in the stew. Okay. So she starts putting meat in the stew to give these kids some protein and to help these kids along. Well, she looks up and after about a, six weeks of this, all of a sudden the attendance and kids showing up at her feeding station begins to go down. And instead of 150 kids, there's 120 kids, then there's 100 kids, and then it drops below 100 kids. And it's like, what on earth? We know these kids need to be eating. What is happening? So finally they did some investigating and trying to figure out what happened. And the villagers, their mindsets were so in a place that they couldn't afford meat for their own house. The corn masa tortillas and the basic vegetables, vegetable stuff was, was extravagant that she was providing to these chi children. And then all of a sudden, now there's meat in it. And the story started going around the village that she would take one of the children and make them into the meat for the stew. And parents and grandparents were holding their children back out of fear for the lives of their children. And so she quickly began to make a big parade about going to the meat market and buying the meat and carrying it through town. And people could see that this was, this was bought. It sounds silly, this meat parade. And so, but she had to do that. As soon as she did, the kids came back and they were able to, they were able to get their meat. But it was beyond the comprehension of that little village that someone could afford to feed 150 kids meat. It was just uncomprehendable. There's just no way. And so there's got to be some backdoor nefarious thing taking place. So many times, folks, we look at the situations in our lives and we just like, man, it's, it's just hopeless. There's nothing there. 
Folks, our Heavenly Father has an unimaginable, imaginable resource of love and grace that works in our lives. Folks, His grace really is amazing. We sing it all the time, and sometimes it's just like amazing. No, it is mind-blowing amazing. That God reaches into the ugliest, darkest, messed up place that any of us find us in. And his grace will carry us out. There's no big mistake, mess up that God, if we will bring him and invite him into the middle of it. And say, Lord, help me to get unstuck. That he won't get us unstuck. His life is that big. Romans 9 says, what then shall we say that the Gentiles who did not pursue who did not pursue righteousness have obtained it. A righteousness that is by faith. Believing that God really can do something. But Israel, who pursued a law of righteousness, hasn't attained it. Why not? Because they pursued it not by faith, but as if it were by works. They stumbled over the stumbling stone. As it is written, see, I lay in Zion a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. And the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. What's the stumbling stone? The stumbling stone is, I have to do this myself. I have to dig myself out of this hole. I have to be a little better. I have to work a little harder. I have to follow all of this stuff and create this framework to do this myself. That's the stumbling stone. That's the thing that keeps you on your face over and over and over again. As soon as we walk away from the thing that says we're going to do this ourselves and we look to God, the stumbling stone is removed and we can actually walk in life. But we have to see that he wants to be at work there. See, our view of Jesus determines how much we allow him to impact our lives. Mark chapter 6. Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, brothers of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? So that they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country and among his own relatives and in his own house. And now he could do no mighty work except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. How cool is that, that the sick getting healed isn't called a mighty work. He was even able to do that in a place that he wasn't received. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. They could not, this place could not, because could not receive the fullness of what Jesus had to offer because they didn't see who he really was. This is why at Celebration Church we come back to this thing over and over and over again. To know God better and to trust him more. I am convinced, beyond convinced, that if I can just get you to grow in knowing who he is cultivating a relationship and a thirst to know God in a deeper way. That knowing Him and and understanding Him, being connected to Him, is going to increase your level of faith, your trust in Him. And then you're going to begin to live a life trusting Him and make different decisions based on who you know He is. Not on who you think you should be. And then life genuinely 
begins to change. Matthew 16. But what about you? He asked, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. You're Christ, you're the Messiah, you're the Son of God. We're connected with you, we're connected with heaven itself. So quickly, I want to go over some place, and I want us to just look. That the word of God, his promises, the, the work of the Holy Spirit speaks to so many different areas of our life. You can take this part of the bulletin, you can keep it handy. Place to reference and to pull from. Maybe you need unstuck wisdom. James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. Unstuck finances. Philippians 4.19, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Unstuck relationships. John 15.13, greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. Unstuck health. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Unstuck in your career. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Unstuck in your emotions. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Unstuck in addiction. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Unstuck in your mind. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Unstuck worry. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then unstuck life. Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. There's not a place in your life. And this is just the tip of the iceberg. This is just quick little things we can just go through together real quick. You dig into the word and you find them. I dare you to make your own list on the own, your own places that you are struggling and being stuck in. Because our bottom line today is that the unstuck life begins with sticking to God. The, when you're stuck, the first thing that your natural carnal self and the enemy is going to try to do is separate you from God. Put, drive a wedge. But if we're going to get unstuck, we have to stick to God. See, God loves us enough to meet us right where we are, and he loves us enough to not leave us there. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.